Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the show that always packs a punch. This week, we hear from Cruiserweight World Champion Chris Billum-Smith. We bring you the latest from Chris Eubank Jr. and the Connor Ben saga. And we ask, is Moses Atama the next AJ? I'm Alex McCarthy. I'm Charlotte Daly. And this is The Hook. Welcome back to another edition of your favourite boxing podcast, I assume. Uh, we have a lot to jump into in this show. It's the never-ending story of Connor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. They're two well-established British names. Let's start with another British name that's been really making waves over the past year or so, looking to become the youngest heavyweight champion of the world since Mike Tyson. In fact, he told Mike Tyson that, uh, Charlotte, <laughs> when you were last in Saudi Arabia. We're talking about Moses Itama. Uh, have you, how much have you seen of him? Did you see what he did last week? It's another knockout on the resume and it's a really, really impressive stoppage. Yeah, he's really exciting to watch. And um, I caught up with him in Saudi Arabia. He was over there for the Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou fight. And he was telling me all about his ambitions and his goals. And as you said, that he wants to become the youngest um, world heavyweight champion, which would be an amazing feat if he does it. Now, a lot of people that are within the boxing world have heard of him and know of him and have been watching kind of his movements as he keeps producing these unbelievable first round knockouts after a very impressive amateur career. Um, but he hasn't become that household name yet and that's what he really wants. And mm. if you talk to him, he's saying that that's what he wants and he's pressuring Frank Warren to put him in big fights. He's only 18 and he's already got his sights set. He knows he's going to be a world 18. champion. He, it's not whether he will be a world champion. It's about when for him, which I think is amazing. He even has that mindset. Well, you said it yourself. He's already won world honours. And in his, in his amateur career now, he's only 18. Consider that Joe Joyce didn't turn pro till in his 30s because he was chasing the Olympic dream and, and had that long amateur career. And many other fighters, you know, will go until their mid-20s before they actually turn to professional ranks. Most of the time has gone the other way with that. The Mike Tyson route, as we mentioned earlier, of course, Iron Mike back in the 80s, he, he, was, he became champion at 21 years of age. Atama is, is 18 now and he's 7-0. Five knockouts. The one he got at the weekend, by the way, that with the left hook set up, it is scarily reminiscent <laughs> of Tyson, actually, in the way that he goes about his movements. He's very... Um, 
He's got a lot of jerk in his hips and the way he comes in low and then he explodes. He punches a lot faster than I think AJ or Fury, anyone else did at that age or do now. Um, and he's six foot six. So I'm saying he's like Mike Tyson, but this is a big man and he hasn't even properly filled out. Maybe he's going to get a few inches taller. I don't even know. But it's a, a frightening prospect when you think about all of the intangible tools and the physical advantages that he's already got, but the acumen that he's showing on top of that. And I think as well, like he's got those physical capabilities and he's got the build, he's got the height, he's a heavyweight, a true heavyweight, but also he's mature for his age. He's only 18, as you said, but he, when he was 14, when he was 15, he was rocking up, sparring Lawrence Ocoli, Daniel Dubois. You know, he's going to be helping out with Tyson Fury's camp. He's been in with AJ mm. and he was doing that 14 years old. Like there's that story about he rocked up to Lawrence Ocoli's gym after leaving school early, he arrived in his uniform and Lawrence and everyone in the gym's kind of looking at this kid going, who is this guy rocking up with his tie on and he's there ready to box? Different story as soon as he got in the ring. They knew that he was capable and in his own words, he said that he held his own. And if you're holding your own against people like that at the age of 14, I'm not surprised that now four years later, he's producing these sensational knockouts. The question we have to ask is... Does he have the star appeal that AJ has? So obviously AJ's become the golden boy of British boxing. Do you think Moses has what it takes to get there? Well, I do in the sense that there's a lot of pay-per-view power and stardom in knockout fighters, right? And a lot of careers kind of start that way. And it's can you keep that devastating element that people want to pay to see? Conor McGregor, that's how he rose to acclaim in UFC. Yes, he talked a lot of trash, but when you're knocking out people in 13 seconds to win titles or, you know, even the way he dismantled Eddie Alvarez to become double champ, everything everything he said, he did. And that's, that's a, a crucial part of the allure. Yeah, you can talk about it, and you can, but you've got to walk it as well. Mm. Uh, and I feel like thus far... Okay, he hasn't fought anybody of note. I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's not as if he's taken out, you know, even national competitors at this stage. But he is delivering on early promise. AJ built it in a very similar way, right? Before AJ really met, I would say, Vladimir Klitschko, to be fair, he kind of walked through everybody, right? Dillian White was maybe the only little scare along the way, but he finished Dillian White as well. I think... On the journey, if Atoma can keep up that sort of allure and he has that devastating power to come along, yeah, and it's the way he's doing it. He's not just stopping people. He's he's really breaking them down with impressive array of punches, speed. He's an exciting fighter to watch. Now, you think about it, Frank Warren has had a lot of heavyweights recently, right? Joe Joyce, Daniel Dubois, uh, Nathan Gorman, even, you know, before Dubois kind of put that, or not to bed, that would have been harsh. But, you know, he, he kind of he is a bump in the road for Nathan Gorman. And, of course, Tyson Fury sits at the top of that tree. So many might think Frank, Frank is the right guy to guide him in that direction. But I think if we're more closely associating him to someone like Anne AJ, I suppose at this stage of their career... What would you say, like, it time needs to do? Because you've got to so, be careful in the boxing world. Yeah, of course, you have to be careful. But I, for me, the difference between him and AJ is... <sighs> It's Atama's goals at the moment. So obviously he said that he wants to become a world heavyweight champion faster than Mike Tyson did it. That means he has to win the world title by May 2025. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that doesn't 
sounds super close, but actually, realistically, it is quite soon for somebody that's only had, you know, what's it, seven fights, professional seven fights, fights yeah. to his name. If you look at AJ's career and Atama's career and the way that they're going, AJ didn't have his first professional bout outside the UK until Madison Square Garden, Andrew Ruiz. That was his 22nd professional go? fight. <laughs> exactly. Um, Atama's for all of his fights so far, apart from that Saudi Arabian one in the UK. So he's building up that British fan base. But if he wants to become a world champion by 20, he's going to have to fight abroad because the rule in the UK or in Britain at the moment is that you can't do 12 rounders until you're 20. But he needs to get those 12 rounders under his belt to get that title. So my fear is that fighting abroad all the time, he may not pick up the traction that AJ did from constantly being in the UK. That's the only thing that I think might stop him from reaching the household name stature of AJ so early. I don't think it will be his boxing. Mm. I think his boxing with us boxing fans, we know that he's going to be someone. He's going to be big. He's going to be a name that everyone's going to remember. But it's more for those casual fans that tune in because it's AJ. Will Atama get the same sort of coverage if he's boxing in God knows where against God knows who to make sure he gets those bouts under his belt. But isn't that a difficult thing in boxing anyway to be like, how good is this person? Because you don't, particularly with knockout artists, you don't really know where they are till you find them against someone who takes them into deep water. And boxing promoters don't put them in those <laughs> fights, right, until they've built up X amount, you know, of, of, of wins. And, you know, you look at AJ now, like the knockouts aren't coming as quick as they used to. But you know, first 15 to 20 fights, primarily for those kind of star-studded fighters, are routine wins, right? They're like, they're the wins that you want to pick up just to, not to pad the record, because that is slightly <laughs> disrespectful, but you know what I'm saying. They're presenting it to the boxing fan base. Exactly, as if say, this is somebody to look out for, and then eventually you can stack them up against someone else and say, hey, but for Itoma, for instance, it's not like he's going to go, okay, so you get to a certain level and I'm going to fight Chisora. I'm going to fight Dillian White, if, you know, pending whatever happens with his drugs investigation. I'll fight Dubois. Th that's not the way it will go. He won't have to fight his way through that. They'll find, the similarly to what you say about AJ and the IBF, they'll find a route, right? And you they'll love say, bringing up that IBF, well, don't it's, you? It's true. <laughs> it is true. They just did it with Dubois and the WBA. It, it, it's what people do. AJ did it at the start of his first ever title win. IBF as well, I believe. <laughs> So, you know, they, they'll find what's the easiest route or yeah. perceived easiest route to get to a world title. And you pick off the people in those rankings as opposed to taking the most difficult or the most lucrative fight. I will say this. I think for where he's at, if we're judging after seven fights, I think he is the most exciting heavyweight I've seen in decades. I would say more exciting than AJ, maybe, mm. intangibly. In terms of, like, boxing skills... And the explosiveness, he does have hallmarks of somebody like Tyson who can explode into counter punches and punch in bunches. Um, again, would be way too early to make like an assertion like that. But if we're just going off what we've seen thus far and all the tools that he has, I'm very confident he's going to be somebody. Well, Rich has also been to, on to us on YouTube. He says, Moses has knocked over bin men and doormen so far. His next step up 
uh, in class is a must and he's learning nothing from these fights. Can I just say, some of those Binmen and Dorman would knock most of us out. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, let's put a little respect <laughs> on their name. But he is right. But I think that comes hit. down to that whole Mike Tyson thing where, you know, Atama's even saying, I want these next steps up. I want the next step up in fights. And Mike's saying, look, you know, remember where you were at. You don't fight bums. No one's a bum. You're going to learn something. Granted, we want to see him develop and we want to see him grow. But he's 18. You've got to manage this guy's career. He's not, you know, AJ at, you know, had won his world titles and is now at the almost twilight of his career, if you want to say that. Um, He's young. He's new. He's fresh. You've got to protect these guys and build them up slowly. I know he's got big ambitions, but if you just put him into reckless fights, you could ruin a boxer. We were talking about it last week. Chris Eubank Jr., Connor Ben. We look like we've got a date. We look like we've got a destination. But it will not be sanctioned. It will not be ratified by the British Board of Boxing Control, Charlotte. Yeah, well, funny how these things keep coming full circle, don't they? Us saying it might happen, it might happen, it might happen. Mystic Um, Charlotte. (laughs) You said this last week. British Boxing Board of Control will not ratify it. Yeah, so Eddie Hearn wasn't very happy about the comments that came out. Um, For those of you who don't know, it's now been announced by Robert Smith that the Boxing Board of Control will not be sanctioning the fight between Conor Ben and Chris uh, Chris Eubank Jr. They said that the board feel any athlete who has failed a drugs test needs to go through an investigation with the proper authorities, and that hasn't happened. Now, Eddie was absolutely furious about this because he feels like the investigation has happened, and the fact that um, obviously Connor was cleared and I know the appeal came into place. So there's a lot of things that Eddie's not too happy about. But we have heard now that Eddie has asked if the PBA, which is best known for sanctioning misfits fights, will sanction the Connor Ben and Chris Eubank fight. You know, this is something we spoke about on the last podcast, that Eddie was always going to try and get it done in the UK. He's made that abundantly clear. We thought that he might go over to the Luxembourg um, Federation. I they were rubbing their hands yeah. in Luxembourg. <laughs> but um, that apparently isn't the case. And now he's going down the route with the PBA. So, you know, hopefully they manage to get it sanctioned and the fight does go ahead in the UK. But it's a real sticking point at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I want to see it. Uh, I know we've all danced around the topic and there's so many different problems, (laughs) which is a chore to recall. But if you want to go back and listen to all the finer details of it, please do go listen to our last episode where Charlotte dived into the nitty gritty and Riaf Al Samurai as well has detailed online exactly what is going on. Um, But either way, looks like we will get Eubank Jr. and Ben in the new year. It's just, can we make it, you know, can we get it signed off in the UK? Dave, in our Mail Online comments, says, uh, and so it should be, as in, you know, not ratified by the British Border Control. He's banned. Otherwise, what's the point in having UCAD? He, do you know what? He does have a point. The only thing that frustrates me about the whole the whole situation regarding these adverse findings that have been cropping up all across the year is the fact that we're getting these results... But then nothing's really happening since it. Um, so obviously we've had Dillian White, we've had Robert Hellenius, we've had Alicia Baumgardner, we've had Connor Ben. They're just a few of the people that have produced adverse findings throughout the year. But other than Ben, we haven't really heard a lot 
about all the other situations, what's going on with them. I know Alicia mm. posted what she said was um, her statement proving her innocence. But actually, if you read that statement, I'm not really seeing the clarity that sure, I was hoping for. Not sure for. what was tangible out of that. Yeah, so I had a conversation the other day with um, a boxer about the situation and kind of getting their thoughts on, on what they, how they thought about it. And they were saying, well, yeah, it's all very well and good having these tests, but nothing's happening from it. And really, if you're innocent... Should you have to provide a 270-something page document? Surely it should be like a one document, here it is, this is why yeah, I failed, this, this is, is the evidence, and then the, they, the board comes back and they go, yeah, okay, right, we agree or we disagree. Yeah. Last time I spoke to Dillian White's team, they were still in the process of putting together their like rebuttal, if you like, from the uh, failed tests. So... And again, what's that now? Like, that's a, three or four months ago. That fight was meant to take place. It's, you know, we don't know what the ramifications are either way. Like, how long would he not be able to box if that's the case? What's the time frame he has to prove something by? Uh, you know, and then what? what's the outcome? I it, think that's it, the problem there. Everything's very yeah. fluid. Like, there's no, it should be, this is how it works. And when you have failed a test, these are the steps we go through. These are the dates. This is when we need to know the information by. Whereas at the moment, it just all kind of disappears and vanishes into the background whilst fans are getting frustrated saying, well, what's happening here? Why don't we know this? How come they're suddenly fighting over in Orlando or they're doing this, that and the other? It just feels like there needs to be more clarity around it. Well, drugs in boxing is a topic we're going to be discussing for a long time yet, I do not doubt. And women's boxing. On the strength of that and of amazing fight in Dublin last week, there's been more talking points coming out of that, some which you actually discussed with Ben Shalom. Yeah, I did, actually. We caught up just after the Natasha Jonas and Michaela Mayer um, press conference when their fight for um, early next year was announced. And one of the things we really stuck into was whether it should be 12-minute, three-minute, ra- um, three 12 rounds, or whether it should be two tens, or whether it should be three ten. Honestly, we got stuck into all of it. But... I'm intrigued by... <laughs> 12 minutes, three rounds. Imagine. Listen. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> but let's uh, let Ben Shalom do the talking whilst I take my foot out of my mouth. <laughs> I do think in such a short space of time to have the sport at this level, and we talk about the rounds, and it was mentioned in the press conference, should it be two minutes, should it be three minutes? But it's the entertainment that it's delivering every single time. It's, it's Women's sport, you look at across the board, and there's certain sports, you know, like tennis, where they stand on their, they, they're nearly there. You know, they're nearly, forget equality, I'm talking commercial interest. The sports where, where it's right up there, women's boxing is fast becoming that. And um, to sell out arenas, to attract the sponsorship that it does, to attract the viewership, it's real. It's a real sport and it's growing unbelievably. And the entertainment they give every time, we get to make the big fights, but... It seems to me that every time the fight delivers and um, that's what's special about it. Yeah, it's so true. Even that um, Savannah Marshall, Clarissa Shields fight, I had family members that aren't particularly into boxing, but they watched it and they were like, oh my God, if that's a rematch, I'm tuning in because yeah. that was insane. Same for the rematch between um, Chantal Cameron and Katie Taylor. That was also insane. Now, you did talk about it there and it was a topic on stage. The two minutes versus three minutes yeah. rounds, 10 versus 12. 
talk me through it in terms of I know it's not happening this time around but why is that Michaela obviously very passionate about doing it is it something that we could see in the future for Natasha where are we going with it look it might it might do it's up to the fighters I think for me we're all for equality we're pushing women's boxing all the time but we also have to consider what's been so good about it what is that special formula that continues to deliver even though we might not have all the the depth that we have in men's boxing women's boxing just the trajectory is incredible and I believe it's because of the entertainment it delivers and so you have to consider is it because of the two minute rounds is it because there's less thinking time is it because you can't box at distance is it because you have to go out there and perform immediately so when looking at this you you know we want women's boxing to continue to grow we want it to continue to be exciting there could be arguments either way we're happy to experiment and we'll, we'll see what happens in the future I think sometimes now it's being used as a a negotiation tool as well one fighter might feel that they have an advantage over three minutes one fighter might feel that they have an advantage over two minutes so we have to look at that as well but we'll get there and I, I do think there will be three minute fights um but for us yeah it's not we, we can do it it's not about equality it's about entertainment what delivers what delivers for the fighters what delivers for the sport what delivers for the broadcasters what allows us to grow the sport at the moment it's been pretty spectacular what's happened in the past two years it is an interesting topic charlotte it really is um because again we've spoken about this uh, off air some of the wars that have become almost famed in the past couple of years that have really helped build women's boxing have come maybe not thanks to but in part because of the two minute rounds because it's all action because it's like all engrossing they have to go for it that has become a part of the appeal of women's boxing in some way um and i don't know if you'd want to take that away from them but it's not to say they're not capable of doing three minute rounds either so you know i I, I suppose it's hard for like men like myself to try and dictate or you know give our opinion on that thing because either way i'm cool right <laughs> i'm just saying I, I do enjoy what i've seen in some of these mega fights yeah i think the format that we have at the moment is really exciting you touched on there some of the wars that we've had just look at that katie taylor and Chantal cameron rematch that was from the first bell absolute war both women knew that they had to go out there and stamp their authority whereas as soon as you move to the three minutes and the 12 rounds you start to get that feel each other out in the first round and kind of boxing at distance and you potentially well you may get some more stoppages they think like clarissa shields she came out recently and said that she thinks that the longer rounds will offer opportunity to force more stoppages and produce more excitement but Having looked at, for example, the Olympic Games in Tokyo, there was only one stoppage when they did three-minute rounds. Well, surely that, that argument goes both ways because, like, okay, I get it. It's longer, so there's more chance of people being tired and you break them down and you finish them. But also, like, the sense of urgency, right, in the two-minute rounds. If you want to get that stoppage, if you're trying to get the victory, you've got to go all out. So mm. I, I guess it goes both ways in that regard. I think the thing for me around this whole topic is it's not about whether women should or shouldn't box 
three minute rounds um, for 12 rounds and whether they're capable of doing it. Absolutely, they are physically capable. We've seen that with Amanda Serrano. We've seen that with other circumstances that they are capable. But for me, it's about building up women's sport and building up women's boxing. And of course, fans like us of the sport, we are engrossed in these female matchups no matter what. But it's getting those casual fans on board. And unfortunately... At the moment, all eyes are on the men. And it's like that. That's a fact. It's like that for all sports, to be honest. It starts with the men. And we, as women, have to you know, work really hard to prove that we have what it takes to grab those headlines. And, you know, these women headlining shows like the O2. Now, I think if you can suck people in with the excitement of that all-female card at the O2, where I said to Ben Shalom, I had family members who aren't interested in boxing that watched that fight and went, wow, is this what women's boxing's like? Because Mm. I want to watch that. And if there's a rematch for it, then, you know, count me in sort of thing. Um, But I think that comes from the stuff that's away from the ring. I think there needs to be more investment in women's boxing. Unfortunately, if you're not going to spend the money on it, you're not going to attract, you know, big shows and big performances and things like that. I think there needs to be more exposure for the women's side of boxing, keep getting all those broadcast deals, get them on TV, get them in the media, like me and you doing interviews with them. You know, we're always trying to promote the female side of Mm -hmm. things. I think that the stuff outside of the ring is almost more important for building up that fan base and then from there we can have the pick of our crop really well, yeah because the the product will speak for itself once you get eyes on it and and we've just mentioned a couple of those wars and you know classic fights basically you know we're talking serrano taylor in madison square garden as well and uh savannah marshall and clarissa shields like there, there are plenty of show-stopping fights that you could say what's that even if you're a boxing fan that hasn't checked out women's box, watch that one, right? And you will change your mind quickly. Because I think there was a notion for a long time as well that like women's boxing wasn't maybe as devastating as men's because there wasn't as many knockouts. And you watch these sharp two-minute rounders and you know you, the talent that's involved and how they just go to battle for each other. To me, it's like a whole other uh, amazing layer of boxing, right? Like a you know, like a, like another part of the sport that I can richly enjoy. So uh, I, you know, I agree, basically, in the sense that I think there just needs to be highlighted more. Uh, as a girl dad, as I've quite openly said, I'd like to see women do better things in sport anyway. I'm pushing them to do sport, Charlotte, but they're, they're not listening to me at the moment. <laughs> they've got time. Though. I know. I bought them football gear. No, they didn't want it. They <laughs> didn't want to gloves. do it. And, yeah, well, um, the, I don't think their mum's you know, appreciating that, but I try and box my youngest. Uh, she beats me up. But um, You said there, though, about the fact that they're um, capable of putting on these amazing performances and kind of showing that they can produce the same sort of performances as the men. Just take Amanda Serrano's last fight. She threw more than a 1,000 punches, right? I think it was 1,100 punches in that fight take AJ's second fight with Usyk he only threw within the 600-700 mark Mm. the fact that she's able to do that just shows that she has the capability because she did three 12s for that fight and she managed to sustain that output so again it's not a case of women can't do it it's the fact that you know what's optimal for the female branch in total you know and I think at the moment keeping those um twos is working well but those big title fights why not give them threes Uh, that's another thing by the way that women have got going for them that the men don't in a lot of ways and i know we've had a couple of undisputed this year well no not a couple we've got we've had one with crawford and spence jr and we've got fury and usick next year women make the best fights 
they make the best fights. They they put together all of the biggest fighters in the division and they make those money fights because it's in everyone's interest to do so, which makes you point the finger at the men a bit more and say, hey, like, how are we missing the boat so much when all the women are clearly hungry to not only do what's best for them and get the biggest fights, but it's the best for the sport as well, which I, you know, again, that brings us to a next point really here. Caroline Dubois is one of the blossoming superstars of British boxing. Katie Taylor is a bona fide legend in the sport. Is that a mega fight that could take the sport to another level? Look, we'd love to see Caroline Dubois get that shot because she's a rising star from the UK. We we love her. Um, do I think it will happen anytime soon? Not right now. I think Katie Taylor has bigger fish to fry, unfortunately. I think um, that Chantel Cameron trilogy, hopefully at Croke Park, that's going to sell Serrano again? ridiculous tickets. And then it's got to be Serrano. And I think those are the two fights that Katie Taylor is targeting and will target. But you also have to remember that Katie Taylor is 37 now. Yeah. That if she's going to be taking on Chantal Cameron and Amanda Serrano, and she's had so many fights where she's taken a lot of damage. Yeah. And if you ask anyone about Katie Taylor's fighting style, it's war. <laughs> like, how yeah. much punishment can one woman take? Do you know what I mean? Mm. The fact that 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 potential trilogy, if that's what she goes for first with Chantal Cameron, that's not going to happen until next summer. And then from that, then she'll have the Serrano fight. At that point, she's pushing you know coming up to 40 at that point Miles will, will she yeah. will she then want to get in with a young energetic feisty hungry caroline dubois or will she go i've ticked off croke park i've potentially won a trilogy against chantelle cameron and i've beaten amanda serrano again Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to The Hook. We're about to get into yet another interview from the prolific Charlotte Daly. That's right. She is prolific. Non-stop. Uh, we heard about Ben Shalom earlier. We're about to get into Cruiserweight World Champion Chris Billum-Smith. Do remember that you'll be able to find a lot of this stuff online, Mail Online Sport, on our boxing sub section, Mail Sport Boxing on YouTube as well. Uh, and you'll always be able to find the clips on social media. As I say, we will infect Every way you can consume content, we will be there. Uh, Charlotte, uh, 
I'm a big fan of uh, CBS myself. Um, he is somebody that I interviewed many years ago out of Shane McGuigan's gym, and he just had his baby at the time, and his missus was there, and he was training hard. And he was kind of in the shadows, almost. Of... Not in the shadows anymore. He's certainly not. That's why I love to see it. Like, he's someone who's genuinely worked really, really hard, and he's doing amazing things in his hometown, right? He gets to go to Bournemouth and sell it out. Um what I think is interesting about that is obviously we put so much onus on fighters building up fan bases and selling tickets. I love to see the way Chris Bill and Smith's doing that. Do you know what? Funny you actually say that because I caught up with him um, at his gym in Leighton. And that was one of the things we spoke about was the Bournemouth um fan base that he has and I kind of posed the question to him the fact that you're seeing like Zhao Apataya um, fighting in Saudi Arabia on December 23rd I said oh do you not want a bit of the action over in Saudi Arabia the big paydays and he honestly said no I don't want it because he said I love the fact that I can be in my home community and give the fans what they want and I just thought that was amazing and you know he's built this reputation of being the gentleman gentleman. and I find that fascinating. And I spoke to him about that, about the fact that there's so much pressure on boxers these days to trash talk and sell a fight and kind of asked him why he doesn't do it. I think the way it is, is most fans, casual fans, will be um, in more interested in the build-up than the other fight, um, which is understandable in a way because the build-up's, what, eight weeks and the fight's... 47 minutes bell to bell so it's um it's a a, a weird world but I think now it's uh, it's almost gone too far I think is but at the same time I think it'll always sell the more you trash talk and you'll get paid more the more you trash talk and and whatever it is and uh yeah it's um it's definitely a pressure I think for a lot of fighters and I think sometimes they get lost in that um especially because there's a lack of authenticity there and then they get lost and more interested in the hype side than, you know, the work in the gym, which is the most important. Um, you've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And I haven't got the energy to, to do it, to do anything else other than train. So, uh, yeah, respect to the people that do. And, and they manage to do, you know, hype themselves up. But you look at the, the very best fighters in the world and bar a few, most of them are, are there on merit, um, you know, and... Uh, that's that's the 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 key is that the biggest stars in the sport are there on merit as, as well as um, obviously having that fan base. Um, so yeah, I think that kind of echoes what Spencer Crawford said before their fight that we don't need to trash talk each other loads. Like the fight will sell itself, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, obviously, two the very you know a fight that the whole boxing world wanted to see. Now, I heard you say before that you're only one punch away from being slated by boxing fans and that goes for all boxers. Does it kind of frustrate you how fickle it almost is that you can be on top of the world at one point and then you have one slip up and that's it, you know, your career's finished sort of thing? Yeah, I was actually um, in a meeting with some other athletes the other day and we came on that that kind of conversation. We're talking about sort of um, the psychological side of sport and stuff and... uh, it was a, there was a footballer there and he was saying you know the fans hate him at the moment and uh he, what but he it used to bother him a lot more than it does now now he just worries about the team around him and and that's all that matters and that's the focus um but if, i think if you look at that beckham documentary that's kind of the the best example he's got been hated by a whole nation was getting booed by everyone 
after that 98 World Cup. And then in 99, Man United went on to have their best ever season. Um, and he was a main main part of that. And I think you can you can just... I think that's just the way for sports fans are, not necessarily boxing fans. Um, I think that's just sports fans in general. And also when you retire, no one, no one really cares anyway. So you've got to just worry about the people who will care when you retire um, and, and give everything and look after yourself and care about yourself, which is hard to do in a, a world of social media and stuff nowadays. But um, I think that's the focus. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle mentally because there's all that pressure and they're trying to please fans or get more fans. And then there's the, the, the fickleness of fans as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's just sports fans in general. It's not just boxing fans. And I think I've you know, I've been guilty of it in, in the past <laughs> as well, I'm sure, when I was younger. But when you sort of immerse yourself in that world and you understand that they're just humans and people have off days people have good days and bad days so um, it's always important to remember that yeah and how important is the team around you for kind of keeping you away from those negative comments and telling you don't read the Instagram comments just do your own thing focus on your training yes um, the team around you are you know I think for me it's obviously I've started boxing a lot later so it's probably easier for me and also never really got fully caught up in that social media world because when I was growing up we weren't really I mean I think Facebook came out when I was about 13 years old so <laughs> um, I never really got into it um, it's sort of the generation after me so yeah it's um, the team around you is important um, and I think that's what we focus on as a gym is we focus on the opinions of the of Shane and, and Josh and um, Barry McGregor, obviously. Um, they're the opinions that matter and, and the others in the gym because as long as their opinions are all good and that um, they're the ones that make you feel good, then you can just ignore everything online because you could go through a thousand comments online and there could be 100 negative and 90 positive, but uh, as humans, we for some reason veer towards the negative, negative ones um, and you just think everyone else is just um, you know blowing you up so um, but then you know the negative ones are the the real ones but I think um, yeah it's important to to realize that and just know that there's only few people opinion to really matter couldn't have said it better Chris Billum Smith I'm a big Chris Billum Smith fan uh, I've said this to Charlotte off air just my general dealings with him uh, and I mentioned it earlier in this this segue but interviewing him at the gym and i remember his baby was just a few weeks old um and his missus was like by the side with a baby in the moses basket we're doing an interview and i remember thinking you don't need to be here <laughs> like you, you could have told me we're not doing this today uh, but he's just such a nice guy that it's really hard not to root for him and i think that was i was speaking to him just before the tommy mccarthy rematch and then obviously from there he beats Chamberlain and then he goes into Akoli and it's like, even that, that though, you know, and they were gym mates, they, not many people were saying that he was going to beat Akoli. Like most people, Akoli himself were talking about, oh, I'm going to, you know, he wanted to unify the division. He was chasing Breedis and he was like, you know, and then I'm probably going to go up to heavyweight and then, you know, here comes Crispin and Smith. Just <laughs> scuppers all of those plans and I couldn't have been happier for him when I saw just... Uh, in the times that I'd interviewed him and been alongside him, just such a humble, 
honest guy. Oh, absolutely. And after that um, Lawrence Acoli fight, he showed again why he is called the gentleman and why you and I have a lot of respect for him. He stuck around after that fight until it must have been about four o'clock in the morning, just chatting to everyone, like doing interviews, giving everyone his time. And he told me about um, when we were down at the gym in Leighton about how he went home and uh, his little man, Frank, was up crying. So he um, took him, let Mia go have some sleep and took him downstairs and apparently they sat there in the lounge and he got out the belt and showed his little boy the belt. (laughs) He said that he took interest um, of the belt for about a split second and then didn't care anymore. But he said it was a really, like, emotional moment. You can just see he's such a family guy and nice guy. Um, And he's obviously back in action this weekend. He'll be taking on Masterneck. Um, they will be fighting in Bournemouth. Now, it's an interesting one because he's actually fighting on a Sunday night, which a lot of people are going, why on earth is he doing this on a Sunday night? But the reason they put it on is so that the Bournemouth fans can travel to Old Trafford to watch their side play Manchester United in the Premier League uh, the day before and still attend his fight. So I love that. Again, it's just him thinking about the fans. (laughs) But do you think it will do as well if it's on a Sunday night. Yeah, will of course there be it as will. many in attendance? Of course it will. Chris Bell and Swift, the king of Bournemouth. <laughs> um, he, he, uh, the, the thing I love about Chris Bill and Swift is the same thing, you know, we're talking about, I think, Lee Wood and, like, Nottingham and Josh Warrington and Leeds. And, like, I love these, like, hotbed fighters. Tony Bellew did it with Liverpool as well, ironically, who fought Masternek 2015 and won, obviously. Um but it's just, I, I really enjoy that when fighters make their hometown, like their their home soil, their turf, that fighters have to come to and take the belt from them. I fully believe in Chris Billum Smith whenever he fights in Bournemouth. Now, like, he can't be touched there. And, you know, on a Sunday, I, I, if anything, that's only going to endear him more to the fans uh, and the Bournemouth crowd of like them, him going out of his way so that they can come to his fight. Uh, I, I, I'm fully... Okay. <laughs> I haven't made it clear already. <laughs> I'm fully behind it Chris Phillips. Like Smith. A hype show I know it is, um, but I, I, I just objectively believe he will. He will beat Master. Yeah, I think he will as well. I think um, he's spoken about that hunger he has by the fact that um, this is his first title defense. Um, the fact that you go into a certain mindset when you're defending your belt. I think the fact that um, Masterneck has had 50 bouts um, turning after turning professional in 2006, but hasn't really achieved the heights that he would have wanted. Um, one thing that Masterneck did say was that Tony Bellew fight that you referenced. He thought he would have won that if it wasn't in the UK, that he felt that it was a lot of bias. Um, so apparently he's coming back to the UK to set the record straight and beat Chris, Chris Billum Smith in his own backyard. So, you know, he's coming in hungry, but I've no doubt that Chris will get the job done. He's coming to right or wrong, is he? Um, <laughs> good luck to him. Good luck to him is all I would say on that. Uh, other fights and events that we need to touch on before we go down the home straight here. Devin Haney is on the horizon. Um He's vacated all the belts now. It's official. He's no longer champion in recess, Charlotte. He's got rid of them. <laughs> and I'm sure Shakur Stevenson, after his uh, pedestrian performance, I will call it, last time out. I mean, he still picked up the WC- WBC belt. I'm sure he's he's going to treat that as Haney running away again, going off to do what he wants at the higher weight. But it's, I can see it. Like Haney already did that. He already did that division. Right, he's already done the lightweight. He doesn't need to do that anymore. And now he wants to go and dominate the next weight. 
I'm not against it. He's trying to set his legacy, isn't it? That's. Yeah. I mean, think about the boxers that you talk about in history. It's the people that have done stuff like that, dared to be great, and all that. Oh, so that's exactly what God he's trying to do. Dear. So, I mean, yeah, I can see the frustrations, but I also think, you know, fair play to him, and, and let's see whether he can um, follow up with, with his talk. Indeed. Uh, also, Jake Paul is going to be out in the coming weeks against yeah. a proper boxer. I know, that would be interesting. As Jake calls it, Andre mm-hmm. August. Uh, again, can't say I've watched a whole bunch of Andre August other than the research that I've done. Um, but I will say this, I think Jake Paul is a lot smarter than people think and he would have very tactically chosen uh, whoever he fights. So I'm going to assume he believes at the very least that he'll have a really good chance of winning this. I mean, I also think he thought he'd have a good chance against Tommy. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, that that was probably a bit ambitious at the time. But still, that's going to be interesting to see him go in there. And he says now, speaking to us the other week, that he's actually taking it very seriously. He doesn't want to do the, you know, he'll fight Nate Diaz in a cage, perhaps, but he's not interested in the crossover he wants to yeah, that's start climbing the rankings he, yeah that's what he wants it's all about rankings for him now and do you know what I actually respect it I yeah. think fair play to him and if you're gonna really engulf yourself and immerse yourself into the boxing world and you're gonna train hard and be an athlete like he is fair play to him ha- have a shot at it see how far you can get see how well you can do and I think this fight coming up will be a good Mark is to see where he is and where he's at and how he can perform against somebody who is a, quote, boxer. Quote. Uh, this might be controversial. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I admire slash like both of the Pauls, Jake and Logan. When they first got into the sport, I was very much like, ah, oh, and I was covering it at uh, TalkSport I was with at the time. And I remember my boss was like, yeah, they do numbers. We're going to have to cover them. And I was like, oh, it's just so painful. Like, they're rubbish. And, you know, oh, it's just so, I don't want to cover these events. And I did not enjoy it. I still don't think either of them are the most polished fighters you'll ever see or refined or, you know, good. Uh, well, they're decent, I guess. But uh, I do admire how... They've made, from just their own platforms, essentially, and social media followings and things like that, they've curated that and manifested their own dreams, right? Logan Paul is now wrestling in front of millions of people in WWE and earning big checks, boxes when he wants, box Floyd Mayweather. Jake Paul, again, he is he's basically the revolutionary of this kind of influencer age and the crossover fights he's been able to have and the, you know, the... The parts of the sport he's been able to get into, he shouldn't be getting Conor McGregor's attention or, you know, anything like that or Canelo Alvarez talking about him in a press conference. He shouldn't, but he does. And again, both of them have built up their own kind of social footprint and uh, their name and their own value to get themselves in conversations they have no right to do so. And for that, when when I say no right to do so, ability-wise... You have to admire it. They have carved out their own lives, that trodden paths that no one else could possibly have done. Yeah, 100%. You have to give them credit for it. Um, and the thing that I like about Jake in particular is when he stepped into the combat sports world, he wanted to make a change as well. He's going after people about the healthcare for athletes yeah, and yeah. looking after the athletes rather than just... Um, 
kind of dipping his toe in, getting his paycheck and getting out. He he wants to make a change and he wants to become a professional athlete that is thought of as somebody that could be a serious fighter. Um, so I have no problems when somebody steps into this world and gives it their all. The problems I have is when we have that circus element that tarnishes the reputation of boxing. Mm. Now, Jake probably was guilty of that at the start, just getting into the hype of YouTuber influencer boxing, but he's real, really turned a corner and he's looking to, one, make a change within combat sports and forge his own career path. So not that I think he's going to go particularly far with it, and I don't think, you know, we're all going to be talking about him for years to come, going down as one of the greatest boxers. Absolutely not. But credit to him, and if he wants to give it a go in the real world of boxing, then have at it. As far as blazing your own trail goes, you know, in recent memory, Logan and Jake Paul are as influential as anybody. And, and I would be happy to argue that. Um, you know, don't admire them the most as fighters, but I do admire exactly what they've done to, you know, blaze their own trail. It's, it is quite incredible. And then, of course, the other fight to talk about when we get there, but not yet, is the Day of Reckoning, December 23rd. Our own Charlotte Daly will be there on the ground in Saudi Arabia, risking her Christmas <laughs> for the enjoyment of all of you uh, with plenty of content, of course. It's such a stacked card. You just know that Mail Online are going to have all of the fights fighters in vision in print in audio you're gonna get all the goods i'm alice mccarthy i'm charlotte daly and this is the hook mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.